To my left, my co-host Gibby Kane. So today we're going to be discussing the Lost Boys. Yeah, and it may be a little funny because we haven't done this in a really long time. What a surprise! Yeah, it's definitely not as like uh, easy as it was. It feels a little awkward, but yeah, it's kind of like working out after not working out for uh, a year and change. Has yeah. it been a year since we recorded our last episode? Last time we recorded was well before October and that's when we oh, went, we as, as well as our, the world yeah. went through major upheavals. I think Eyes Wide Shut was our last one. Yeah. So we recorded that. That was the, the collector's edition. Yeah. So we put a lot of work into that one and then you and I were just like going through some changes. Obviously you would have noticed this is like not the same set recorded in in los angeles this is a different location yeah you so. may have noticed that we have um not only a twinkle in our eye a smile on our face but also room to grow right um all things that happen when you leave los angeles so yeah big changes for the better but yeah um but now we're back and we're back even better than before with um not only ears and eyes um so we're excited to start yeah. bringing some video content uh, we'll see how it goes. I yeah, know. I think it'll go good. Having like, you know, this is a film medium, what we talk about. So having clips that you could actually see as opposed... That was always something that I know we did for the show. And I liked having them. But I was like, ah, those visual components are so key to understanding what we're talking about in a lot of those cases. But um, I think this will add nice new dimension to everything so. yeah and to everyone who was really nice and sent us emails while we were on hiatus um really appreciate it thank you that actually kept us motivated to come back to it when we were able to and were comfortable and ready right but um yeah sorry sorry for dipping as long as we did it just it just got a lot we were moving we were working we were oh, doing yeah. it all we were living in a pandemic and witnessing the apocalypse and it just got a little overwhelming to like talk about movies you know and planning, sometimes planning your life around yeah movie watch. it was fun to just kind of just watch movies for the fun of it yeah <laughs> for, for a while there so um anyway yeah. now that that's out of the way yeah uh let's get into it all so. right and if you've been living under a rock for the last 30 years 34 years 1987 34ish years yeah um the lost boys a mother and her two sons move to a small coastal town in california the town is plagued by bikers and missing kids the younger brother makes friends at the comic shop with two self-proclaimed vampire hunters while the older boy is drawn into the gang of bikers by a beautiful girl now the youngest must save his brother before he turns into one of them. That's right. Hey, I still got it. Hey. You still that? Yeah, it was weird to see that happen all again, like your uh, read through. I wonder how people feel witnessing me do that. I don't know. Probably not. Good. Hopefully, it's not underwhelming. It's probably underwhelming to see two people sitting on YouTube talking about movies, but we're gonna try to make it fun. I'm gonna make it fun too in this corner. It's already fun on the ground, but you—that doesn't do you guys any good because you can't see that. Um, 
because we don't have a team of cameramen moving the cameras around. No, it's just me setting but, up our iPhones. Yeah. Just so you know, there's a cowhide rug and it's really cute. And I'm gonna get <laughs> I'm gonna get neon lights for behind us so that there's like an on air thing. Ooh, I don't know. That'd be fun. I think that'd be cute. But anyways, yeah, release date, uh thirty first of July, so we're coming up on that anniversary. Uh nineteen eighty seven. Many good things happened in 1987, like, RoboCop. Right. It was one of those things, like, if you see on Twitter often, like, they, they'll they show the marquee of now playing at the cinema, and it's like, oh, yes. it's RoboCop, uh, The Lost Boys, Aliens? I can't remember if Aliens came out in 87. No, it might have come out earlier. Sorry. Um, I don't remember. But it's like one of those marquees that's, like, really well known. Like, well, when people see, like, oh, well, that would have been a great summer to go see movies. Wasn't, um... In, in Lethal Weapon, wasn't that in the background? Yeah. Nice. Sick. Oh, I'm thinking of in the background, and I'm thinking of uh, that Rob Lowe poster in uh, Corey I Haynes, will talk to you Corey about Haynes that. Room. There's a reason that... And the Molly Ringwald still. Remember that? That was in oh. his room, too. Do you, I, but you know the story behind the Rob Lowe poster? In Corey? I, I do know the story behind the Rob Lowe poster. All right. Poster. Well, anyway. It's not what you think, although I question if it's what you think. Take us, <laughs> take us on the journey. So the box office opened up with um, a little bit over five mil in opening weekend. So she was a hit. Um, And also the uh, gross overall, I think was 30 over 32 million as well. Damn. So it was, it did really well. Um, We have a lot of, well-known actors of the time um we have keeper sutherland um who who's his dad again david sutherland uh, donald sutherland donald sutherland yeah from uh he was in a lot of stuff but probably most well-known was the body snatchers remake yeah he was also in an american honey it was a kind of a horrible movie. well that was like later in his career but Way up later. to that point donald sutherland had been in invasion of the body snatchers right um, not the able ferrara the one that i love with like meg tilly yeah, that's that a one? fun one. Yeah, of course I remember yeah, that one. Yeah, that one's a good one. There's been a lot of remakes of that one. But that's, yeah, I think, that's an interesting probably one. most well-known for. And I was this Kiefer Sutherland's, like, big breakout movie? Or was that Young Was that Young Guns? Um, the I would say he had he had a career yeah. before It was Lost probably Boys. Young Guns. Yeah. yeah, this is, yeah. was his big breakout one. That was such a good movie. Yeah. Oh, my God. The second one, not so much. second one's okay. Yeah, yeah, but oh my god, the first one's so First good. one's amazing. Um, we got Diane Weist, um, who's in this as as the mom with her um, incredibly stained teeth. We she's also like have... 80s. She's the 80s mom. Yeah, she's great. She's lovely. Yeah. Um, she's lovely in everything she does. Corey Haim, um, also in this, um, and as well as Corey Fieldman, who I who I feel the, the two of them together have an interesting rapport and they had both actually at the same time that Goonies was coming out, they both, um, tried to compete for uh, mouth in, in the Goonies, but, oh. um, obviously Corey won out. Corey Feldman. Cor- sorry. Corey Feldman. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Gotta be specific Duh. about which one. I saw it in my mind and thought it was obvious. Corey Feldman won out. And then they were yep. in a uh, license to drive. Which have you seen that one? I've never seen that. So that's yeah, I haven't either. I just know they were in that. I mean, they were they were big. Corey Feldman was they were huge, huge. huge. Well, so at the time, um, at the time, it's it's kind of sad. We all know about like child actors, especially in this era, didn't have the kind of like eyes protections watching out for them like they do. I I would assume now like people are more aware of those things uh, going very on. Much so mostly because of like people like Corey Feldman very openly talking about like what it was you know who knows it's all alleged stuff but just talking and everybody's kind of aware of just how tough it was for certain child actors 
Yeah, some of them had a really tough go of it. it. Just depended on the parents. Like we were talking about Macaulay Culkin. Like there's, I think there his parents were a little more involved. So yeah. he seemed to come out of it pretty okay. Like anything else in life, it all depends on who your parents are. So he 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 worked a lot. The '80s were a a big boom for his career. He so so Corey Feldman. He had been battling at this point a cocaine addiction that was pretty gnar. What? Yeah, he was already deep in it, and he almost uh, got kicked. He actually did. He got fired. From the Lost Boys? Yeah, from the Lost Boys. How old was he? He, you know, I'm not actually sure how old he was, but he couldn't have been older than 15. He must have been very addicted to cocaine for Hollywood yeah. to fire you. He was he was showing up late. He was forgetting his lines. He was just kind of being a mess. Is and that why he sounded groggy throughout the thing? Because he's yeah, he's his, like his nose was blasted. Yeah, he was like putting on a voice, but I actually think he may have just been... I think he may have just been blasted. <laughs> well, it's really sad, but he did come back the next day and was yeah, like, okay, I guess a child addicted to cocaine is never funny. I don't know why I laughed at that. Well, he came back and he was like, I'll never do it again. And from that point on, he was extremely professional and he had no issues. He had just been through a lot of shit in his life up to that point. And then, yeah. you know, been a mega star at like how young he was. I don't think it's easy for kids Hell to no. be put through that. And especially if they don't have like, like a good guiding light them and their parental parental supervisors or whatever if they don't have like a team that's protecting them there's like all kinds of shit that you hear about but yeah anyways so that that kind of sums it up i know we've also got um who's the uh who's the actor who is in bill and ted's excellent adventure who's also alex winters alex winters is in this amazing uh, amazing director also in uh freaked great movie He's got this crazy mullet look, which I kind of am obsessed. They oh, all have all the, like they all have those crazy hair. extend extensions to, <gasps> to ex- exaggerate their God. mullets. Can you imagine having like as beautiful? I I'm not sure. I I dropped the ball on research for uh, the. There's a the one of the vampire uh, goons. He's got like dark hair and a, and a great tan, and he just his hair. I'm obs- I'm obsessed with. Yeah. Is that the cat? Yeah. Oh my god. So, uh, so anyways, let's talk, uh, plot, uh, again, if you, maybe it's just been a long time since you've seen it, but financial troubles force a recent divorcee and her teenage sons, Mike and Sam to settle down with her father in the California town of Santa Carla. The town is plagued by bikers and mysterious deaths. And at first Sam laughs off all the rumors he hears about vampires until he makes friends with two other boys who claim to be vampire hunters. And he continues kind of joking it off, but the the frog brothers. Yeah. And we see. What I'm assuming is their parents in the background, uh, yeah, always just, in the same. They might be dead. I think they're. I think it's like they're supposed to be stoned. You know, they're comic book shop owners, and they're just stoned. Oh, is out that on the is boardwalk. that associated? That's just what I assume. <laughs> I'm not. You know, you're I'm not. No. I'm you're inferring. I mean, based you, on the way they look, they have like the Grateful Dead look about them, you know, with the sunglasses. And they've the got the dead look beard, about them. She's got the long hair. Mom's got the super long hippie hair. I mean, they go through like, there's like shots that are supposed to take place between like weeks and they're in the exact same position in the exact same place. And I'm just wondering if they may have already died. But. Oh, maybe. You know comic shops. Uh, the comic shop that this like pivotal, excuse me, pivotal scene takes place in. Mm-hmm. would you say did I'd, you ever see a comic shop like that yeah i mean i talked about that and i uh, think you're bringing that up because i said that in the when we were watching it i was just like i'm bringing that up because i don't know anything about comic shops and well, i'm giving just, you your opportunity yeah it's, well it's, it. it's just like a really you know i like the aesthetic of 
things pre, uh, I guess, image. I do like image comics a lot, like a lot of those titles, but there's just something about the graphic treatment of things and how everything, also it's like everything looks old and are probably wall books now that are just like on the rack that yeah. I just like the aesthetic look of. Right. But I just, it's just a very charming looking comic shop. It looks like a, a lot of fun. It's, and it's very huge. Full. Yeah. And oh I, my wonder, God. I wonder how much that had to do with Joel Schumacher later on would do two Batman movies. So I'm wondering if like, you know, he got that job based on um, just, oh, he's, cause there's, there's a whole scene with mm-hmm. Corey Haim talking about like comics and how they should be organized and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. The, the, the Frog Brothers are really experts in like vampire shit. Mm-hmm. Corey Haim seems to be like really into the comic stuff. So um, I'm wondering if like, oh, he, that, that Joel Schumacher put a comic book scene in his movie. He, let's give him two Batman movies. So, I wish it worked I like that. I don't that. know if that's how it worked, but maybe. I don't think it works like that. I don't know. I just think it's, I think it's funny that it's in there. Um, so then we have, the, they're exploring the boardwalk, the two brothers, and they meet Star, the um, kind of like hippie looking vampire chick who is supposed to make her first kill, you find out, and it was supposed to be our boy. But, yeah, um, played by Jason Patrick from, uh, known probably best for this movie, but also in Speed 2 Cruise Control. Oh my God. <laughs> He plays the love interest that Sandra Bullock's character actually does settle down with, even though he's just as big of a risk taker as Jack. I mean, that doesn't make any, the Keanu Reeves character. Right. She says a line of like, like that, but we're not talking about speed. We're not talking about speed. I just watched that one. I wish we were. Yeah. But, But, um, no, he's, uh, he's, he's kind of your, your through line through like the human, you know, he's the newcomer into town. So, we're following his journey kind of through stuff, but we find out, you know, star, um, she's eyeballing him. And he thinks in the time that they first encounter is that he just, she just likes him. Mm-hmm. And you think like, you know, maybe he's going to befriend these people, but then you find out like there's some definite creepy ulterior motives there and their well, fascination with him, with the character. Kiefer Sutherland's character, David has got like the creepiest energy and he does it. I think it's just the eyes. He gets it from his dad. It's like, yeah, he just does it really well. I don't know. There's some, there's some like energy that he exudes. That's, you know, he's, he's like they They operate kind of like a pack of animals. Yeah, they do on their motorcycles and they wreak damage. And just chaos in and, general. And chaos in general. What I like about this scene is we've got a uh, gratuitous shirtless saxophone solo. Um, which is essential to the plot. And without it, we would not be able to have the movie that we have before us today. So that guy, Tommy, I can't remember how you say his last name or Timmy something. The the guy, I thought the guy had like a huge career or whatever, but it turns out he was just a, um, a backup saxophone player, but he had a whole oh. with like Tina Turner oh. and, um, oh shit. A bunch of, a bunch of people. He had put out one album in like 2018 but he is, he's just, uh, for some reason, Joel Schumacher probably just met him. He's just like, some guy. Yeah. Fascinated by him and was mm. just like, I'm going to give you the I wonder most memorable scene of this movie. It's yeah. as no main characters in it. They're in the background. I think if... No, like, I mean, it's it's got kind of like the inner... Actually, there's a lot going on between in that scene because it's... It's, a, quite, it's silent between the main characters, though. You're just at this performance. It's it's riddled with sexual this tension. Beats. And then you've got kind of like the the kind of 
goings-ons between all the other main characters. Because you see, like, the mom walking the boardwalk. She finds the little kid, and then she goes into the uh, tape store. Yeah. Was um, that what that was? The, what, who's that actor that plays um Oh, plays Max. Max? Yeah. Uh, that, Edward- would be, that would be Edward Herman. So what I know him best for is he's uh, the Gilmore Girls, both dad and grandpa. That's what I most know Wait, him for. Wait, hold mom- on. Well, because it's the Gilmore Girls are a mom and a daughter, and then obviously one has to be the mother to the daughter. So there's a grandpa and a dad. Oh, you just never watched the Gilmore Girls. You know what I was talking about. I was about. trying to work that out in my head. Well, you just are like. But now I understand. How does that work? Well, I was like, incest. I didn't no. think Gilmore Girls covered that. Yeah, I never watched it. I never watched Sex in the City. I never watched Gilmore Girls because I guess I'm just cooler than everybody else. Well, I, yeah, my mother and sister really liked it. So that's what I know him best for. And this movie. Anyways, so we see a lot of like the main characters coming about and doing their things and meeting the next characters to introduce those plots as they continue. So I would disagree with you. I would say it's actually pretty... I was joking before, but it is actually pivotal. Okay. It's just also well, it's, around yeah. a, shirt, a very sweaty shirtless saxophone solo. There's no, there's no like extra... Uh, plot in this movie where they're just waiting. And the movie lo- moves pretty quickly. I it mean, moves what does it run? Is it, it is a night. It's it's like it's probably sits around like ninety ish minutes. It's yeah. a great. I mean, it's got a great flow, great rhythm. It's an excellent movie. It's paced beautifully. It's very modern in kind of the way it structures itself. I also like the fact that it open. It's it's open. Uh, its opening scene is very easily forgettable, but really also amazing at the same time and very creepy. Mm-hmm. Cause you've got like the, you've got the security guard who's like beat it kids and the kids. Well, that's, yeah, on the and carousel. then you meet the gang and you discover that they're not what they seem. So it's well, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool how that is done. Remember we talked about, you don't really see much killing much of the feeding. It's all POV from them flying through the air and stuff like that. So, and I think this is a PG, is this a PG 13? I would reckon most movies back then, even if they had violence, were somehow still. Well, RoboCop was an R-rated movie. I mean, a lot there was a there was well, a lot of movies in this yeah. genre that are like action horror sci-fi stuff that that just are R movies. Um, but I'm gonna say this was actually PG-13. This, this could this could easily be a PG-13. Well, you don't There's see anybody getting their hand blown off, and I think that's probably the difference. Yeah, there there's like a lot of stabbing, and I guess there's like that one scene where uh, Alec Winters, uh, Alex Winters' characters get stabbed in the at the hotel. Remember where they're hanging like bats, and then yes. there's all that. But it's not even like blood; it's like well, it's glittery goo. So the reason why it's so sparkly is because it's supposed to be slimy. But it literally looks like glitter but when it's, it's out in the sun. I yeah. know. It's really strange. I know. But I like it. I like the glitter blood. I just was kind of, I remember, because I, I thought it was like, oh, it's so gory. But then, like, they run out in the sun. It's like, oh, they're covered in, like, a glitter. So I guess it was, like, a maybe inspired Twilight, in a way, with the glitter blood. We kind of, there's a lot of in-between, and it's mostly just a desperate divorcee trying to get laid and it never really working out and everybody's kind of trying know, to get she's laid so horny i feel so bad for diane weiss 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 she's Weiss. trying to get laid because she's you know she's divorced and trying to get her life back together she she's, she she's didn't want a single woman now they didn't want to get she was she says at the beginning the reason why they're moving in with her dad is because she didn't want a long messy divorce to you know hurt the kids and all that stuff 
girl. The irony is she, you know, then meets a literal blood-sucking vampire. Yeah. Spoilers. There is one scene that I love that's in the middle of all this. Uh, trying to prove that Max is a vampire. They, they disprove that oh, Max God. is a vampire. Then they have to eventually suddenly find themselves confronting Max as a vampire, which is a lot of fun. It's just a lot of twisty, turny, fun plot stuff. Yeah. And then, of course, like dealing with the biker gangs and the initiation, which is so sick. Um, and probably one of my favorite scenes, which I'll get into in a minute. But I also love the fact that it's like the awkwardness of middle-aged dating with oh two God. kids and your your elderly father whom you all live with. And he's kind of going out on dates. Remember, he puts the Windex on and takes the beaver over to the widow something. I love that his, he's trying to give like constantly trying to give taxidermy animals yeah. to everybody he cares about. I think that's how he makes his living. Hell yeah. Or probably one of the schemes. He seems like an old... I mean, he smokes... He's got weed grown out back. He's like an old hippie. Hell yeah. Um, I love his house. It's like big lodge. Oh yeah, it's killer. <laughs> but um, for... What was, what was the scene where she's making dinner? She's making pasta. And then he he says, I thought you weren't supposed to see the, the meal before it's ready. And she's like, you're thinking of a bride. And he's like, yeah, I always get those two confused because... He's a vampire and he wants to... Well, and he fucking clearly asked Michael, he's like, well, you're the man of the house. I won't come in until you invite me. And it's like, the guy's a vampire. <laughs> well, he's he says that and it's like, yeah, you get the two confused because you're trying to fuck your meal because you're a vampire. Exactly. That's what you do. Sex and death all mixes. At this point, it's kind of falling apart because... <laughs> well, Michael's it, falling apart the entire Michael's movie. Michael's falling apart real he, We're hard. kind of, well, again, following his journey kind of through. He drinks the from the chalice. Think, you know, he's just trying to make friends. She's like, don't drink it. It's blood. And then he's like, how could you let me drink that? And she's like, silent. What's <laughs> great is like, like all these characters you. in the family um, are all going through uh, age equivalent challenges. Yeah. Like Corey Haim is like trying to just make some friends. He seems a little too cool for school. Like he's too cool for the Frog Brothers. He's always kind of like cutesy, smiling all cutesy and shit. He's like, yeah, buddy, sure. Yeah, yeah. And and just kind of like secretly making fun of Are they from LA or some bigger city or something like that? That's what the vibe I get. They're from Phoenix. Oh, they're from Phoenix. Okay. Michael's a little bit older, so he's trying to like get in with friends, but then also there's this girl involved, and then um, it's always the mom is trying to do, you know, she's trying to meet a man at middle age. It's all interesting that they're all like dealing with these problems. In like about their personal lives and relationships and starting over and then they pick you know vampires like all of them yeah I guess. Or, or somebody tangent the frog brothers are trying to kill vampires and trying to convince uh cory hames character yeah there are vampires here they're trying to push that i don't like horror comics and it's like you better read this one it's, think of it more like an instruction manual i mean i i think that's really interesting and it's no matter what they do they all find themselves surrounded by vampires no matter what they do because it's the murder capital of the world yeah santa carla which have we said santa carla is filmed was filmed in santa cruz it was based off of santa cruz was um, it filmed in santa cruz yes yeah, so santa cruz uh where santa carla takes place was once plagued by the reputation of being the murder capital of the world um because of a series of very brutal murders that um by three different disturbing men in the 70s well, it was like uh was it ed kemper one of them right it was john lindley frazier herbert mullen and yeah kemper um, so Santa Cruz endured 28 murders over a 30 month period between 1970 to 1973. 
Santa Cruz is a really pretty uh, town. I mean, it it's was like, a really pretty town. It's not really very pretty anymore. I mean, location wise, perfectly honest. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's got its charm. It's, it used to be a lot nicer because when, so I have family that lives in Santa Cruz. So I visited them here and there many, many years ago and it was fucking gorgeous. Now, after going back just a couple years ago, uh, yeah, I would say woof, just yeah. very different, okay. um, very different crowds. Well, it's California. So California's have having a lot of challenges you know, yeah. for a lot of reasons, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. But um, spends most of the movie spends a lot of time. You're on the boardwalk. You're either at the visitor mm-hmm. store or you're at their the at Grandpa's Lodge. Yeah, you're, you're those two or the collapsed hotel, which I thought was like a really, really cool, cool um, set piece. It's like it's not a cave, it's not a castle. It's a ruined by an earthquake hotel. Very very cool. That if you're gonna be an, a California vampire, you would totally stay in a place that's ravaged by earthquakes and too dangerous to go to. You know. Much like the Gothic castle. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like a modern American equivalent. Very, very cool details like that kind of throughout the movie that you can appreciate upon repeat viewing. This is a, it's, I mean, I watched this movie twice in May. I watched it earlier when I was like, I haven't seen that in a while. And then you were like, you know, let's do the show again. What do you think about New and the Lost Boys? And I was like, oh, yeah, I love that movie. And I, I was just watched it. Craving that movie. I've been craving it for a while now. Um, I try to only watch it once a year just so I can forget little details and enjoy them again. Yeah. Um, so, uh rob Lowe poster yeah we need to before the show's over i want to discuss that Corey haim has a poster of rob Lowe outside of his closet door Mm -hmm. and on the dvd commentary joel schumacher says that it was there because he had recently directed um rob Lowe in st elmo's fire back in 1985 oh okay i would suspect that there are other reasons why rob Lowe's sexy picture is there well, yeah, but he, that's he, between Joel Schumacher and his own needs. He's got he's got the uh, you know, he's he's got he loves men. So he's going to put sexy men in his movies. Rob Lowe was a cutie. So, yeah, it he's makes a sense. heartthrob. Get something else. Throb give him give Schumacher. him, a, you know, get a little representation in there. Why not? <laughs> Can't always be like, you know, it's cute. Just hot babes on the wall. And sometimes nice when it's like, you know, what, maybe, yeah, Corey Haim might be he might be gay. I mean, it's a different kind of hot babe. Yeah, from Dayton, Ohio. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. Um, so Gerard McCannon, McCann, McCann. I don't know how to say it. I don't know. Um, he wrote the theme song for "Cry Little Sister." Cry, Cry little, little Sister. sister. Yeah. So that um, he wrote that after reading the script. Never seen a frame of the movie. He just was like, "Did he know what it was I about?" It. Yeah, he read the script. Cover to cover. There's some was great like, like synth stings like the beer. Yeah. He he was like, oh, I know exactly what to do. Step aside. I got this. And he did. And it's like such a great song. And it's very, very memorable for this film, I think. Because it, it yeah. suits it just right. This movie's known for its kind of soundtrack, too, I think. It's amazing soundtrack. It is yeah. such a good soundtrack. Great soundtrack. Sometimes I just listen to it because it's like... I mean, there are some movies that you can watch... And you you can enjoy every facet of, but then there are some that you you can listen to the soundtrack and you feel like you're watching the movie without even bothering. Like Blade Runner soundtrack is a really good example of this. Mandy is a really good example of this. Johan Johansson totally fucking slayed. Yeah, an energy there. Um, I would say John Harrison did the same thing for Day of the Dead. 
I could go on. I love listening to movie soundtracks. This is like, what do you, yeah, it's like, it's, it's not quite like the score, like how Quentin Tarantino, he's like, it's like overpowering sometimes with like, I'm putting this song in during this scene. Well, and then if you listen to anything that's the soundtrack for Tarantino, it also includes like sound bites to it. So if you try to listen to Django, like in a public setting (sighs) and you put it on because you weren't paying attention and then all of a sudden there's a bunch of N-bombs being dropped and then you're like, (laughs) oh my God, sorry. (laughs) Let me skip this one. So it's kind of like an in-between that and like an, like you're saying, like Day of the Dead, like an ambient or Johan Johansson. Yeah, that's like pure mood and ambience. This is like an in-between of that. Yeah, totally. How it feels to me. I would totally agree with that. It's it's more of like a perfect it's a it's a perfect mixtape of of a vibe right. that the movie was able to create. Yeah. That's totally the case. Yes. This movie also invented the phrase vamp out. When did that happen in the movie? Um it's what he says. It's like I think it's it's something that the Frog Brothers say. So, yeah, <laughs> that was invented in by this movie which you'll see again later in Buffy. Yeah. Which they use almost constantly in Buffy. What about the movie Vamp? With, um, fuck. <laughs> Strike two. No, van. Also, fun fact about Santa Cruz. So, uh, in Spanish, Santa Cruz means holy cross. Okay. So, this was actually, so Lost Boys was shot in three weeks. Yeah, that seems like, you know, there's not a ton of crazy stuff. If you do a bunch of pre-production, you could, you could do this in three weeks. It's pretty impressive, it I is, think. It is, yeah um and There's a lot and, of set pieces and shit too i'm sure they had to build like that crazy hotel set you know from scratch you might be onto something with thinking that the the name has some level of importance there because uh, I, they probably couldn't do santa cruz because they were like it's the murder capital world fucking full of vampires and santa cruz is like you can shoot here but you can't call it santa cruz because like we don't want to fuck with like our tourism hurtful. yeah fun stuff about the effects Okay. As, as we're finally some here. good effects, and we've hardly talked about them. Yeah, yeah. So the vampire effects was run by Greg Can Canum, also known for his work on the Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Uh, How M- could I forget? MJ, yeah, it's pretty unforgettable for a lot of reasons. MJ and the Thriller music video, also The Mask, also Hook, also Bram Stoker's Dracula in 1990. Oh, so good. 1992. Two. 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 I think. I think so. Um, so he's won many an award for his work. He's won like four BAFTAs. So very, very well known uh, in the industry, Greg Canham. Um, and in the end, uh, a lot of the the effects were done on like, so Laddie, just a little, little kid, um, the actor's name, Michael Corbett, super professional, apparently had on the most uncomfortable makeup, super th- Thick ass contacts. Didn't complain once. I know he's he's like a little kid too, and like he's a, really little. Yeah. yeah, and um, yeah. Greg had talked about it, and I think there was like a documentary, uh, and some specials, and he was talking about that experience, and it was like, oh, wow. And he was also working through Keith Kiefer Sutherland's makeup. <sighs> Here's the thing about Kiefer: he's got b- big old baby cheeks. He's he kind does. of a cute kid. Yeah. Yeah. So they cheeks. had to. They really struggled with that. Like trying to make it him look gaunt and like dead mm-hmm. with like cherubic face, like cherubic face. Because there's that whole scene where they like they get the the people at the bonfire and they they go in for the kill and they all and you find like the one really gory scene in the yeah. movie. You finally see the, the makeup. surf Nazi scene. You you finally yeah the surf Nazis. You finally see the makeup. You finally see like what they really look like when they're all vamped out and 
it's pretty amazing what they were able to do. I mean, I think lighting uh, played a huge role in that. They they yeah. lit him the right way, which helped. But it's the makeup... lit with like the fi- a lot of the firelight from the bonfire and stuff, so it looks really scary and you know, yeah, it's it's tough. It's and it's like Buffy. I now that I think about it, it's like Buffy probably like took that yes. whole look too, because that's the that's the look of the vampires when the vamps are vamped out in Buffy. They have the crazy like thick foreheads and angry face yeah um definitely and i think what's fun about it is is that like Hefer was so down for whatever he even did a life cast with his eyes open which is what yeah what if shit got in there i i think they set it up so it was it was safe but it's like close your eyes Kiefer's like no i gotta method this and it's like this isn't method acting this is just dangerous yeah it sounds like him so (laughs) um you want to talk favorite scenes sure um i think we've covered a lot of them i like the uh that go- the the dinner scene with uh when max comes to dinner and the frog brothers yeah. are there they show up and i guess they're gonna also be at the romantic dinner i made the i brought friends um she's like, oh, there's there's plenty for everyone oh uh, and he's like i made this parmesan and it's just straight garlic yeah and then there's that scene what's the matter you don't like garlic i like garlic it's a, but then you find out like why did all that shit work and then there's the, every movie makes up their own rules and then you find out later max says once you invite a vampire in none of those tricks actually work except they never invite in star she just shows up and just walks herself right in but is that no, because she shows she's up, half vampire she's not yeah she's not fully she has to kill you have to kill to become that's what I'm thinking. Even though Michael was able to kind of do it. Remember, Michael didn't kill. Michael didn't eat anybody, and he was able to vamp out. The movie ignores some. Well, so did Laddie. Yeah, that was weird too. Stars, they probably couldn't get Jamie. They probably couldn't get Jamie Gertz to put on the makeup, so they were like, "Oh yeah, that's you know, that's why she doesn't do it." Maybe it's because she's cute, does. and that's like the whole point is that she's supposed to remain. I guess cute. Yeah. I don't know anymore. Anyways. I don't either. Love the dinner scene. That's a lot of fun. That's a good one. Um, I re- And we've already talked about the sweaty sax player. One the, obviously, yeah. Um, I also one. love the um, the scene where they take him back to the lair and they're like, uh, time to eat. And then they, they pass around Chinese. Oh, and they do the Jedi mind trick. You're eating worms, Michael. Worms, Michael. It's so good. Yeah. I like uh, the scene where uh, he's like, Michael's fly, floating away and I ain't able to control yeah. it. And he's like, let me in, let me in. Yeah, that's so scary, but funny and scary and funny. Yeah. Also scary, but also funny. It's like, it'd be kind of scary though. Like it, there's this, the, their it's relationship. like Salem's Lot. Right? Their relationship. Yeah. Ah, I saw that once. I can't remember. I can't say for certain. Yeah. I just know the blue vampires in it. Yeah. Anyway. It's um, a floating. It's the window floating. Yeah. And that's in The Simpsons, too. I think there's a nod to this in one of the Treehouse of Horrors where, where Bart's, uh, the bullies turn him into a vampire. I think the bullies are kind of the lost boys in that. Oh, sick. And then Bart's the Michael character. Awesome. But um, I like that scene a lot. And um, the motorcycle chase scene and the bridge scene where they all fall. I love like the all the hazing. foggy, hazy scenes. Yes. Like great atmosphere. Haze and hazing all in one scene. It's creepy. I love that cuz it's it is really creepy because they they're hanging What's what's crazy? It's like if your friends told you to jump off a bridge, would you do it? And it quite literally is that. And that's and exactly what happens. And it's like what's the plan here? What are we going to do? And there he so he If we we're, we're we're Michael's hanging. game, he like totally hangs off of 
the the railroad tracks with them and they're all like hold on my or, or uh or let go michael let go, let go michael. michael and then they all just start dropping off one by one and he's like freaking out because he can't see anything below him other than haze and what's fun well, he about thinks he's it gonna just fall to his death i think what i like is the audio mixing that happens in that scene because as the, as the train passes he's still holding on because he doesn't believe anything that's happening and he's, he's terrified he's gonna die he's terrified rightly so and you can hear like some audio mixing happening where David's like whispering, like it goes from him shouting below him to whispering to his ear. I love that. And then he just it's lands, creepy. and then he lands in the bed. We just see him kind of like, well, the way it's filmed, it's kind of weird. And the when after Michael falls, it seems like he's just standing and like leaning around. Well, it's because he's like floating suddenly. It's supposed to like look. Like and then he's, he's dropping again. Yeah, the gravity's not really making sense. We're not sure. And then he mm-hmm. falls into the bed with his it's, shoes on his pillow. Oh, I know. I hate that every time. It's Come so on, gross. Dude, that's disgusting. Change your sheets. Um, but I I also love this. I love some of the mixing that happens um, visually to to make the vampires creepier mm-hmm. um, by not really doing a whole lot other than just making things dark and spooky. And there's this moment when he pulls like the, I think the couple out of the back of the car. Yeah. And, um, David pulls them out. That stole the comic books. Yeah. Yeah. And you can see like, that this woman's w- just laughing at sad sack like an insane person. Like that must be an inside joke. Sad sack. It's not funny. I think she's just, yeah, I don't she, know. She on drugs. Maybe yeah. drugs. But um, he, you can see this weird, like in the shadows, the way it's cut and the way it's designed. Like you can see like a like a shift, like the way he moved. <laughs> so good. It's so weird. I don't know how they did that, but they made it really fucking creepy. Wires and stuff. I don't know. The opposite of what happens when you see um, them later in hanging upside down, taking their snooze, and um, you see Kiefer Sutherland's big bat toes. Yeah, that's a fun. That's like it's kind of because yeah, you're wondering. Oh, they're just not going to show the feet, but then they show the feet, and that's like. That's like what my feet look like. They're like hooks. They're cute. So is there so is there any other stuff you wanted to mention? No, I think I'm all good on my end. Cool. Awesome. I love this movie. I highly recommend people watch it. It's on HBO Max for free. Um, so check it out or buy the... Oh, the one thing I did want to point out is the poster that y'all... It's it's Michael's wearing the sunglasses, big red background. I thought it was a painting or a, a photographs for the longest yeah, time, yeah. but it's a painting. So if you really wanted to like appreciate somebody's... If you're into like really realistic key painting art. and stuff, yeah. key art, it's like... Man, they used to put a lot of work in this shit. Because now so that dope. just would have just been a cheap Photoshop job. Uh, it's a fucking full-on painting. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's really cool. So, I mean, um, the air is definitely over for like paintings as key art, but I wish it wasn't because it's sick. Yeah. So watch watch this movie. Uh, I'd say there there is other movies. There's uh, The Thirst and then The Tribe, I think. came out. One came out in 2010 and one came out in 2008. Corey Feldman's in both of them as uh, Edgar Frog, but uh, I just figured those should be acknowledged just because this is technically the first in a series, but we can forget it, I guess. Yeah. 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 Well, sorry about that, everybody. Anyway, <laughs> um, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, Chainsaws 
tits. Chainsaw's tits. I don't even remember. Honestly, we, I, we're we not sure exactly how often we're going to be doing this shit. We're not going to be doing probably every week, obviously. I mean, it's not going to be every week. I can tell you that. But um, we're trying to, we're, you know, we're trying to keep these relatively short, especially since we're attempting to do video. I Unless mean, I cut this part out because the video failed for some reason. You're just getting the podcast. We're doing our best. Um, we're very busy people, and we're we're trying to still bring content. Um, and make and make money like ourselves, you know, doing our jobs and putting a house together. Bathroom is still not done. Oh man, guys, you have no idea how much shit has happened in the last Jesus ten months. I don't know when the last if it was October. I think it was before October. I shit. think it's been a really long time. Sorry. Wow. Sorry. Anyway. It's hard. All right, everybody. Well, um, we'll see you next time, I guess. That's not how it goes. I don't remember how it goes. How does it go? We'll see you freaks later. Later.